getting a series today called Guardrails. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. As you're doing that, let me just thank those who are joining with us in our campuses today. We're excited about joining with you. We're thanking God that He is going to move and touch your life today as we go into His Word. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. So let's get ready to see what God is going to speak to us as a congregation and as a group of congregations today. Now we're going to talk about guardrails. How many of you know that guardrails are really good things? Right? Guardrails are not, I mean, you, you've never driven down the road and go, well, I wish they didn't put that guard. Why do they've got that guard? Guardrails are in places uh, to protect us and to keep us. In fact, here's what guardrails do. Guardrails direct us and they protect us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how that, and we're going to use the Word of God as well, how that we get direction and protection uh, from guardrails that are in our lives. Now, the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 15, reading through verse 17. Now let me set this up before we read it. The, the city of Ephesus was uh, what is actually in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was a seacoast town at that point in time. Actually, the seacoast has now moved and it's inland. But anyway, uh, at that point in time, it was a seacoast city. But it was, if you think that America is corrupt and vile, uh, you ought to go back to Ephesus. You, you need to read the history uh, about the turn of the, uh, the century there when Jesus came on the scene and the Apostle Paul then begins to write here just a few years later. Ephesus was a city that was filled with all kind of evil. In fact, the, one of the greatest things they were known for, uh, one of the seven wonders of the old historic world uh, was in that city, and it was a temple that was saturated with all kind of perversion and idol worship. In fact, uh, so many things were involved uh, sexually that I wouldn't even go into it. But, but that's how the whole city was established. And the Apostle Paul is writing to people who are living in that kind of society, and he begins to help them to establish some guardrails in their life. He begins to say, these are things you need to bring into your life. In fact, when you get home today, I would encourage you uh, to read the whole fifth chapter because there are several things that he talks about that I don't have time to go into, but that are beneficial in the life of a Christian. And so the, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 15, though, Let's read this. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as what? Now, let's hear that again. But as what? Wise, right? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Haven't you wanted to say that to a few people? 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, this whole thing about guardrails, let me give you a definition of guardrails. Here's, here's what a guardrail is according to the dictionary. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, all right? That's what a guardrail is. We all, we're familiar with them. We see them every day. Uh, when you leave church today and you're going out, you're going to see guardrails. And, and here's the deal. 99% of the time, we don't pay any attention to them. Where, where are guardrails? Well, guardrails are on bridges uh, where there's little room for error. They're on medians when you're meeting uh, fast-going traffic, and they place them in medians uh, to protect you from the oncoming traffic. Another area they're in uh, is in curves and soft-shouldered areas uh, where there's unexpected change that's going to happen. Now, if we need that in driving, don't you think we need that in our daily life? We need some guardrails. We need some things that can direct us and protect us. Now, there's something that's really interesting to me about the whole system of guardrails, and that is this, that guardrails are not placed in the actual area of danger. Think about that. They're just placed on the inside of the danger zone. Now, you know, they, 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 the, the danger is right on the other side of the guardrail. The danger is what's on the other side of that barrier that's there. The, the guardrail is actually placed on uh, good ground. In fact, if they, if, you know, so, some people, here's their whole mentality of life, is, you know what, if they would just take those stupid guardrails down, I could drive closer to the edge of that bridge. I mean, all they need is to give me a little yellow line, and I, I that, right? And as long as, you know, I'm, I can have one wheel hanging off, as long as I don't go to, and that's the way a lot of people live. Now, we hopefully don't live that way in our driving skills, but we live that way in our walk with God. See, I, I want to help us today as believers, as Christians, and those of you who are looking at investigating the claims of Christ today, I, I want to challenge you today to come to that place of understanding that the assumption is that if you hit the guardrail, there's going to be less damage to you than if there's no guardrail and you find yourself off in the abyss. I mean, the guardrail is there. Yes, if you hit it, there's going to be a little destruction. There's going to be some crumpling. And we've all seen it where the car gets banged up a little bit and the, and the whole guardrail system collapses. But the person is more protected even by hitting the guardrail than they would if the guardrail is not there. So in our lives, if we need that in safety for, for driving, don't you think that we need to establish some guardrails in other arenas of our lives? So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about some guardrails for our lives, guardrails that are so strong and so established in your life that when you begin to bump up against them, that they are going to bother you. In other words, your conscience, you're going to hit that guardrail, and your conscience is going to go, wait a minute, I don't need to be doing that. Now, am I in danger? Not yet. The danger is on the other side of the guardrail. Now, now let, me, let me talk to you just a second. Here's what I've found through the years. 
most of us, the greatest tragedies, the greatest regrets that we have in life could have been avoided if we had had some guardrails. Before we wound up in financial destruction, before we busted up our marriage with an affair, before we became addicted to whatever, if we just would have had some guardrails that said, you know what, you don't go out with somebody that's not your spouse. You just don't do that. I mean, we, we've established some guardrails in our staff, and one of those is, is that a, a staff member can't counsel somebody of the opposite sex with their door closed. The reason for that is, is because it's just stupid. Well, pastor, you, you, don't you think they're men and women of God? Of course I do, but they're also men and women. And so we just established guardrails. And if I walk down the hall and your door is closed and there's somebody in there with you and it's not your wife and I hear a voice, I'm opening the door. Because if Jesus isn't going to be your conscience, I will be your conscience. Right? There needs to be guardrails. And so we find that so many of us, whether it's our health, our time, or whatever it is, moral issues, on and on and on, we, we find ourselves really struggling with, with different areas that if we just would have established some guardrails, we, wouldn't, we would not wind up off the cliff, all right? And, and so what I'm going to be doing, we'll use guardrails as that sense, but I want to I wanna talk to you about guardrails from the sense of a spiritual perspective. And, and here's the definition, and I hope you'll write this down. They're going to bring it up on the screen. And that is this. Here's the definition of a guardrail, I think, for a Christian. A standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. All right? A standard of behavior, just something I'm going to do, some way I'm going to live that becomes a matter of conscience. It's not necessarily that this issue is a sin, but I am going to establish a guardrail here because I don't want to wind up in a mess over there. Now, let me help you for a minute. Culture does not promote guardrails. The culture in which we live, uh, in fact, they think guardrails in the sense of life, uh, is, they think it's pretty stupid. In fact, you'll hear things such as, you know what, churches, all they want to do is they want to be legalistic. Come on, you heard that? That's like telling somebody who's got their child and said, hey, don't go play in the street. Isn't that a little bit legalistic? I mean, they can dodge those 18-wheelers. They're three years old. They're quick, right? I mean, you won't even let your dog go out. And run around without some, you know, you, you, you make sure. And, and, and this whole process, I was, I was going home one day this week, uh, Friday I think it was, and, uh, and, and back over here near USJ, back a little bit, I, I was headed home and, and uh, I, I, there was a car right in front of me and I looked to the left and I saw two deer. And we were right before that little bridge, if you know where I'm talking about, if you ever go out that road and there's guardrails there. And I saw those deer coming, but the car in front of me did not see it. And all of a sudden, if any of you have ever seen this, I saw that deer take flight. And all of a sudden, there was this explosion as this deer flipped over right between my car and the other one. I, had saw, I saw it, and I locked it down, and it came, and it jumped, and it was trying to get over the guardrail and finally did. And, and I walked up, we walked up to the lady. She said, what happened? What happened? I said, uh, 
There's a deer laying back there you just killed. And she's all bloody and the windshield's cracked and her window's knocked out. And, but but I, I looked at that at that moment and I thought, you know what? If that guardrail had not been there, where would she have wound up? She, she could have wound off in, in a ditch, but a guardrail was there for her protection. In our lives, we don't, we don't understand this so often. We, we think that the church is being mean. We think God is, is being hard, but what God is doing is God is trying to keep us safe. Now, see, culture, culture, kinda, culture has some stuff, but it's just stupid. Can I give you a few of them? Be okay? Here's one in culture about alcohol. Here's what they say. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. I mean, have you ever noticed drinking responsibly? And somebody who said, that's my motto, drink responsibly. But the problem is, is that when you drink responsibly, when you get to irresponsibility, you just don't care. I mean, you just look over and say, honey, I, I think we're being irresponsible, but I don't care. <laughs> right? That's, that's not a guardrail. That, that another one that, that society, culture gives to us, especially about uh, young teens and, and single people, and that's this, about sex. Wait until you're ready. I mean, I, what is that conversation? I, I mean, two 16-year-olds in a car. And he looks at her and goes, are you ready? <laughs> she goes, I don't know, are you? He said, I was born ready. <laughs> well, when do you think you'll be ready? Well, about three weeks. Okay, we'll put that on our account. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? That's what the world says. That's what culture says to us. Or, or this one about drugs. They tell parents, parents, talk to your children about drugs. Now, that's not bad, but, you know, I, I've never met a parent who said, you know what, I got four or five kids, they're all on drugs, but I talk to them about it, so I'm happy. That's not a guardrail. You know, you need to put some guard. You know, somebody walks in and says, you know, Pastor, I'm upside down on everything. I owe everybody and their dog. But, you know, society says about money, just consolidate your debt. So I've consolidated my debt. Well, that, that's wonderful. But what about putting some guardrails down, uh, such as a budget, living within your means? I, maybe that's a little too narrow, but I think that's what the Scripture tells us to do. Now, let, let's kind of dig into the Scripture. Are you ready? You look a little nervous. Let's, let's talk about what the Scripture says, all right? Well, look there in verse 15. He says, be careful then how you live. Literally, he's saying, look out. And in fact, here's what he's really saying. He's saying, look how you walk or where you step. Have you ever been to somebody's house who maybe has a dog or two or three dogs, and you go out in their backyard, and they say, hey, babe, be careful. Now, I'm not trying to be crude, but... Watch where you're stepping back there. Why? Because you're going to step in something you don't want to. That, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Be careful where you step because you're going to find yourself stepping into an area that's going to be destructive. So what he's saying is, he said, look around. Be, be aware. Look, look what's going on. And then he said, look ahead. I mean, so many people don't ever look ahead. Just like, Wake up in a new world every day. Look ahead. And then he says, look back. Look at some of the things that have been good, but look at some of the things that have been bad back there and, and get a perspective all the way around of what's going on. Then in verse 16, he says this. 
He says, making the most of every opportunity. Literally, it says, uh, the King James Version says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, I want to tell you, if the days were evil 2,000 years ago, baby, we have learned new ways of being evil. I mean, we got all kind of stuff that, that a generation ago didn't have to be evil with. I mean, there's all kind of things now. I mean, I mean we, we can be evil in ways that people didn't even dream of 15 years ago. I mean, there, there's all kind of resources. I mean, you, you know, pornography used to be you had to go somewhere to buy it and you might get caught. Now, man, you just got, you got this and you just punch a button and it's there. Wow, it gets quiet. All right? And, and so we need guard. We need some, the, the Apostle Paul is writing to us and saying, hey, these are dangerous times. They're dangerous times financially. They're dangerous times morally. They're dangerous times maritally and professionally. These are dangerous days in which we live. And, and so we have to understand that. Verse 17, he goes on to say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, what is the Lord? The Lord wants us to live in obedience to him. The Lord wants to give us his direction. He wants us to be controlled by him, not by anything else in life. In fact, let me say this to you, anything, money, lust, uh, uh, pornography, anything, alcohol, tobacco, anything, food, anything, are you, are you okay yet? Anything that controls you has become an idol in your life. And you have to be willing to push those things away and to say the only thing that is going to control my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the 18th verse, the Apostle Paul gives us an illustration of a guardrail. Now, before I get there, I'm going to tell you, some of you are going to get nervous. It's like, okay, I just read ahead and the pastor's going to get on my stuff. Just hang with me. Let's figure it out. Watch what he says in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine. Boy, it gets quiet. The Apostle Paul says, okay, here's the Do not get drunk on wine. Now, now, let me set this up for you just a little bit, all right? I do not drink alcohol of any kind except for NyQuil. All right, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one is, is that I grew up in a family where alcohol was just not part of our lives. Uh, my father had gotten saved, and, and his life before that had not been the greatest, and, and so that was just a standard in our home that we did not partake of alcohol. The other reason that, that I have taken a stand against alcohol for myself and for my staff and for leadership of this house is because in the 30-plus years I've been in ministry, at least 99% of my encounter with alcohol has always been negative. I, now, now, maybe you've got some positive experiences, but I don't. I have never had a couple come to me and say, Pastor, our marriage was in a mess. I mean, it, we were headed for divorce court, but we decided we were going to start drinking. And, Pastor, we started drinking, and our marriage is just the greatest. Now, that, that might have happened, but I've never heard it. 
I, I, I've heard about, you know, date rape. I've, I've heard about addiction. I've heard about homes busting up. I've heard about all kind of stuff that, that's always negative. You know, I, I've never had a parent come to me and say, Pastor, you know, my kid, they were just running wild. They were running from the family and running from God. And, and I just told them, you know what? Hey, come on, we, we're going to open up a six-pack. And I want you to know it just turned them around. And, I mean, they're living for God, and they're just going for Jesus now. Now, Maybe it's happened for you, but I've never seen it in 30-plus years of ministry. And so when I read this scripture, understand what I'm going to say. I do not think that the Word of God teaches. Listen carefully, because some of you are thrilled right now. You're thinking, bless God, it's about time that preacher preached about drinking. There are others of you sitting out there going, man, I wish he'd hurry up and get off of this. All right, so wherever you are in this camp, I'll probably make everybody upset before I'm done. Because I don't think that the Word of God says that if you take a drink, it's sin. I mean, Jesus turned water into grape juice. No, wine. All right? So I don't think in that setting that drinking wine or taking a drink is a sin. But what I do think is what the Scripture says. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit. Now, now let's, let's read this in the NIV because it's, it's just really good. How, how many of you have ever read something in Scripture and you go, I don't know what that means, but I'll just keep going, right? You kind of get under conviction. You read a word and it kind of releases you. This is one of those words. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, people don't know what debauchery is. I mean, if I were to ask you, hey, you've been debauched this week? <laughs> Nobody's going to go, Pastor, I've been debauching all week long. There's nobody doing that. <laughs> so let me explain to you what the word debauchery means. The word debauchery means extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. What's the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying you need to bring a guardrail. Now, I think that guardrail should be abstinence. But Whatever that is in your life, what the Scripture says is you better have a guardrail, and when you move into drunkenness, you're going to find yourself in a loss of control, and you're going to find yourself on the other side of the guardrail in a mess. So why not? Why is it that Christians want to know, hey, let's move that guardrail. Let's just paint a little yellow line on that bridge so I can get as close as I can. Why do we not establish some things and say, wait a minute, there's a whole lot of things that God wants for my life, and there are a lot of things that will be beneficial to me, so why should I put myself at risk? Wow. Why don't I bring a guardrail into my life that says I am not going to allow myself to get under the control of anything but the Lord Jesus Christ? See, that, that whole thing about debauchery, that indulgence that results in a loss of control, not just about alcohol. It can be lust. It can be greed. It can be anger. It can be stuff. It can be food. I mean, it can be anything in life that is controlling you outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to. We have to draw some lines in our life. We have to put some guardrails that say we're not going to follow this. We're not going to do this. Now, we need guardrails, and, and I'm going to give this to you, and I hope you'll write it down. We need guardrails to keep us from getting to the place where we hand control over to someone or something else. How many people will use the alcohol deal? 
How many people in a drunken state have found themselves giving control of who they are to someone or something else and winding up in a mess? How many ladies and girls the morning after a drunken party have found themselves waking up with somebody that they wouldn't have even thought of when they were sober? How many guys have wrapped a car around a telephone pole in a drunken stupor that would have never done that if they hadn't partaken? Now again, I want you to hear me carefully. Do I believe you're going to hell, go straight to hell, do not pass, go, do not collect $200 if you take a drink? I don't think Scripture teaches that. But I think Scripture says, put some guardrails in your life. They tell us that one out of four to five people are predisposed to alcoholism. I want to tell you, you're never going to have to worry about it if you don't take the first drink. Why not, as a believer, say, I'm going to draw some lines in my life. He goes on there and says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. The issue here is influence. The issue is who or what are you going to allow to influence your life? Are you going to allow yourself to be influenced by the Lord Jesus Christ, or are you going to continue to, to allow everything else to control you? See, God wants the role of the major influencer of your life. He wants to be the one who controls you. He wants to be the one who guides your life. Now, let me tell you something about guardrails. When, when you hit a guardrail, it wakes you up. People will go to sleep, and they'll hit that guardrail, and it'll, it'll instantly bring them back. They'll, they'll wake up. A, a guardrail is, is, is the process of the Holy Spirit. Remember that I talked about that guardrails were for, to direct and protect, right? Uh, th there, are times, there are times that the Holy Spirit, if you've got a guardrail, the Holy Spirit uh, will speak to you. Now, let me, let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never screams. Wouldn't it be great if he'd throw a lightning bolt down right in front of you? Come on, right in front of you before you messed up. Wham! Ah, I don't need to go there. Here, here's, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The, here's what I think he does. He goes, <clears throat> I think that's it. <clears throat> And our problem is if we don't have some guardrails, we're running so fast, we don't hear it. We don't hear that still, small voice, the Bible says. See, I do not believe that anybody plans to mess up. I don't believe people stand at an altar before a preacher and say, I am going to screw up my marriage so bad. I am going to mess it up in every way possible. And see, some of you are all tangled up in what I just said. We'll pray for religious spirits in a minute. We've got to come to that place where we understand that the reason we met, you know, and then we add four or five kids into the mix, and we have a big blow up. The reason is, is that we never set any guardrails. We didn't sit down financially and plan how we were going to live as a couple. We didn't talk about church. We didn't talk about how many kids we wanted. We didn't talk about anything. We just wanted to get married. And then we find ourselves in a mess. See, nobody plans on financial ruin. 
Nobody plans on entering into a violent marriage. Nobody plans to get involved with a married man or a married woman. It just happens because we don't have guardrails in our life. That desk that you stop by to talk to that cute so-and-so, the first few times you stop by, you are not doing that to have an affair. But if you are not careful, well, Pastor, I, I'm going to hire them because I want to help them. Baby, you are playing with fire, and you need to wake up and realize you need to put some guardrails. Nobody plans on marrying somebody that's a jerk, but they just don't wake up and realize when they're dating them they're a jerk. When you marry them, why do you think they are instantly going to change? Once a jerk, Nobody plans on becoming addicted to anything. We're just going to do it one time. We're just going to have fun because everybody else is, etc., etc. Guardrails in our lives are how we plan not to fail. Again, nobody gets mad at TDOT because they put guardrails on the side of bridges, on curves, and on rough places. But then when the church and when the Word of God says, you need some guardrails in your life, people start screaming legalism. You're trying to keep me from having fun. No, we're trying to protect you, to protect your family, and to protect your future if you would only understand. People say, well, Pastor, you just got to understand. I believe God's going to take care of everything. I've got faith in God, and, and He's going to take care of me. I want to tell you, He's trying. You know why He's trying? He got you here today. He got you here to hear this message so you can put some safety into your life. See, guardrails don't just protect, guardrails direct us. And here's what I've found through the years. In my life where I've taken time to put guardrails, Sherry and I through our life have put guardrails in areas. Uh, when we were raising our children, we had guardrails that other families didn't have in the church. And our kids didn't like them. Our kids would say things such as, well, everybody else whatever it was, and yeah, I understand, but as for me and my house, this is what we're doing. And we're not going to go to certain movies, and we're not going to go to certain entertainment, we're not going to do certain things, and we're not going to get involved in certain places, not because we think that they're huge sins, but we just think that we don't want to find ourselves winding up in the ditch. So we're just going to have some guardrails. See, you'll find it much easier to hear the voice of God if you've got some guardrails. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Over the next five weeks, today being the first, we're going to talk about guardrails. We're going to talk about some specifics over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about flirt or flee. We, <laughs> we're going to talk about financial ruin. We're going to talk about several things over the next few weeks. And my challenge is, are you willing to make some changes to protect your future? Are you willing to say, you know what? Maybe it's not a sin, but I know on the other side I'm going to find destruction. Maybe I could get as if, if I could just move that guardrail, I could drive with one wheel hanging off the road. But maybe it's wiser to step back, 
Because here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. You're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for every person that you have influence over. You're doing it for your family members. You're doing it for children and grandchildren. You're doing it for coworkers that watch you whether you think they do or not because they know you go to church. And you know what? If you party as hard as they do, if you live the same lifestyle they do, when they get in a mess, they're not going to come to you and ask you about your Jesus. But if you stayed in some guardrails, if you've brought your life to a place when their life is upside down, you're going to be the first person they come to. And the Bible says they're going to ask of you of the hope that lies within you. I want to challenge you today. Put some guardrails in your life. Your guardrail may not be the same as someone else because maybe they don't need it, but you need it. Are you willing to take a step back from the edge and to say, you know what? I'm going to put something in my life that is so strong that when I bump up against it, my conscience is going to say, danger, danger, danger.